don't wanna go to work I just wanna chill and play All day Look him dead in the face and say I wish I could just be still asleep while you work Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jobs Blow podcast with Brianna and Josh. The podcast for dreamers with day jobs. Hey, we're so glad to be back here at the Comic Strip Live on the Upper East Side of Manhattan to tell you yet another inspiring story from someone pursuing their dream job. Yes, Josh, because as the saying goes, when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Awesome. How you doing, Brianna? I'm all right. How are you behind that screen that yeah. we've put up because of our coronavirus Oh, coronavirus, fears. right. If we sound quieter today, it's because we are all sitting six feet back from the mic. And we're in hazmat suits and putting our hands in front of our mouths. <laughs> well, and we haven't normally we hug or shake our hand at yeah. uh, the guest hands, but I, I um, didn't touch anybody here. No, well, no, so there's you know. no touching. Coronavirus. Yeah, you know, is everybody scared sufficiently? They certainly got us all freaked the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. How you feeling? I'm. Um, I was doing. Okay, and because I was like, all right, we did SARS, we did bird flu, sure. we did um, cooties, yeah, and then I we actually had a coworker in our small office who had gone to Seattle and came back and got was sick no and way. called in sick, and so we all were like, oh, oh no. no, and she ended up having the flu, which you never, you know, the flu is pretty dangerous thing, too, right? yeah. <laughs> but we were all like, yes. Because right. it wasn't coronavirus. But then I was like, wait, she might have more of a chance of having a, a serious flu problem than the corona because she's young. Right. right. So. We, we just canceled our trip to Seattle to visit my sister. Oh, who just had a baby. Just had a baby, no immune shots. And they're oh. living 10 minutes from the hospital where the first person and her husband works in that hospital. Oh, shit. So my, my sister was like, you're not coming to Seattle. We'll see you in a couple more oh, months Oh, my after God. That. So and that was with the airline, was the airline good about No. We booked some ticket that like was specifically you're not supposed to change it and we like made a huge stink so they let us like pay a little extra to like change it and reuse it in like a year which airline it was alaska actually oh. but what's so annoying real quick is that they used to be partnered with american right and they stopped we tried to use our american miles they said no and in the interim of all of this they are now repartnered with american so they won't credit you one way they won't give you the hook up the other way you're like wow. guys like what are you what are you doing you wow. know well i have to say we were my office was supposed to go to expo west which is a huge food sure show in anaheim california mm -hmm. which was canceled the day before finally Gosh. but who the hell would want to go yeah. food Right. Yeah. So of all things, it was right? interesting when they were canceling their their tickets because the best airline for forgiveness was JetBlue. JetBlue yeah. immediately gave. Yeah, a lot because of money that's back. what you're supposed to do. You know, yeah. that Situation. But are you all right at home with everything? You know, your kids in school. Yeah. And... Well, my husband's a, a germaphobe, so like he's got us. You know, <laughs> Brian, get no. in, wash your phone, clean your phone, wash yeah. your hands. Alcohol wipes for the phone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're, we might be running low on sanitizer, though. I had to go through some cupboards today to find yeah. some gift bags. Yeah. Sanitizer. Even my wife, like we had sex the other night. <clears throat> we were both wearing full body condoms. It was really awesome. Wait, did you see the SNL skit? Oh, was that it a was skit? hilarious. Oh, I didn't see there anything. was a that one of those soap opera TV shows, oh. and there was a scene where Daniel Craig went to like make love to right. or get on top of Kate uh, McKinnon, right. and he, he, there was a Saran thing wrap over, oh, and he I pulled it down it. across her body. Oh, I didn't see it. It was That's really funny. funny. All right, good. I, good to know that I make good jokes. Yeah. Without. Uh, yeah. Timely. It. That's it. Timely. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. So I think our guest um, oh, is the perfect guest for yeah, today. Yeah, I had a little, I had a little uh, scare, fear, because our guest this uh, week is here to talk about the release of fear, how to get over fear in some different ways, and which is perfect, perfect. Following the coronavirus, I had the roughest week ever. I went for a straight up checkup and just like you know, new doctor, and like I get it, you want a doctor to be thorough, but <laughs> she's kind of scared the shit out of me. Like everything she looked at, she was like, "Yeah, I got to get this. You need a specialist for this. You need a specialist for that." I'm like, "What? What? You know?" Like and other doctors. I've, I go every year, right? You know, I'd always be like, Are you sure nothing's more serious? And he'd always be like, Yeah, you're fine. No big deal, right? This woman was like, was so alarmed at one thing. She she called, she was like, Get the urologist in here right now. And she, so she'd already had a finger up there. She wanted another guy to have a finger up there. He wasn't there. She's like, You got to come back two days, get another finger up there. I thought it was like an office party. Everybody's got their finger in my ass, <laughs> oh, you know? No. So it was like, I was freaking me out for like three, not to mention, she's like, I need you to take your blood pressure four times a day for two months. I was like, Four times a day is going to make me have high blood pressure. What are you doing? So, at the end of the week, yeah. 
yada yada. It all was everything's fine. It's just to check it out and make sure it's not alarmed. This and the other. But like, I was having like four days there where I was like freaking. I out, hope nobody dude. had coronavirus that put their. Yeah, of all the things, here. at least give me fucking coronavirus <laughs> at the end of it. Oh you know what I mean? God. Well, that's awesome. Anytime yeah. we can talk about a finger up the. Oh. It was yeah. way more enjoyable than I had anticipated, I will say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, At first, it's very rough. But then you're like, oh, this is nice. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, you don't have to get that exam. Do they give you that exam? There's reasons for fingers to go up there. It's just not prostate. I don't think we call it an exam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the next, hi, honey. Can I give you that exam? <laughs> okay. Anywho. Not in, not in Brianna's house, I guess. Uh, All right. <laughs> anyway, do you want to introduce the show, Josh? Sure. So we have a very special today. guest today who is actually a friend of a former guest, Claudia Bloom, who was on a couple of weeks ago who's an old friend of mine and uh, she recommended uh, our guest Shane today who's coming in to talk to us about a lot of different things or her journey as well uh, what are some of the some of the the different uh, careers that she's well, had I'm, I'm going to give a full intro Go. but do you want to say the name of the show well the name of the show? of the show is going to be called Stripping Away Your Fears with Enchantress Shane B. Coleman of Enchanted Embodiment. Hi, Shane. Hello. So the official yeah. introduction, <laughs> introducing the owner of the Awkward Academy, Enchantress Shane Coleman, is a dynamic powerhouse of joy and self-expression. She helps creative, passionate entrepreneur introverts <laughs> fuck their fears and step out to their stage of life for authentic, bold visibility. Why did you do that Shane in porn, porn holds voice? a master's in special education and creative arts. Her background is that of an educator, therapist, behaviorist, stripper and transformational badass coach and play evangelist and she used to be a loan officer too yeah and she's dancing as we're reading all of these different <laughs> credits she is she is just filled with positive energy like and meanwhile she, the minute i met her she put her hand out and i was like i'm sorry <laughs> we're not gonna do that well welcome shane Thank you. Uh, we want to hear all about we feel like it is just that with coronavirus and just all things going on, we all want to know how we can strip away our fears and find our, I love some of the things on your website about, you know, being more comfortable and confident and finding that in yourself, uh, especially when you're feeling doubt and, and all those kinds of things. So, you know, welcome. I think we can skip the first HR question because I just gave you just did the a, what is your current job? Title. Although job I always like to hear like what do you it, without a huge long explanation. If you had a job title that you were going to put on, what would your title be? I really would stick with enchantress. Enchantress. Yes. And just let that be just what, let what that you be. figure out. And yeah, and, and if someone wants to know, they can ask. Interesting. I and like it, that. And is enchantress your dream job? Because that sounds like a dream job name. It's a dream job name because there's no definition, so it constantly changes. Um, it, it keeps growing, like me. Right, so right. So it's like, you know, it fits whatever. I also always thought that, like, whenever people, the less length of your title was, yeah. like, the more important you were in that job, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were just, like, president... Yeah. Right. You get it. If you're like operations analyst with the marketing, yeah. you know, consumer programming uh, technician, <laughs> you're on the bottom. It's like, I get it. I Sorry, get it. dude. Cool. So that may have been your dream job. Give us a job that blew and, and give us a little background, too, on whatever job that may have been. Yeah, well, I started out uh, as a preschool teacher. There was, you know, I was listening on the way in, and the one, it's kind of sad. I'm like the joy evangelist, but I was working with this child who's four, and um, he was from another country, and the family kept all the windows really tight and the heat really, really high, and he was nonverbal, and I would come in and play with him, and they would shut the door. And um, the house had cockroaches. Oh, oh no. my God. And it was sweltering hot. So I would leave my coat in the car. I would bring in very specific toys. And they unfortunately had lead poisoning. Oh, my God. So, yeah, this really blows. So they had to get new windows. So I, would, I came and they had new windows. And I cracked it a little bit. And the little boy went over to the window and just like took a breath. Aww. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I could provide that right. to this oh little boy. God. So oh that really blew. God. And then I like left oh. that. That How long did you do that? It was like a very long month. And then I was like, you know what? I can't do this. And I drew the boundary. Like, I have, to, I love this kid, and I feel, but I can't serve him anymore if I'm angry and pissed and weird. And right. What were the parents saying or anything? They didn't speak a lot of English, and she would poke her head in, mom, and say, like, is he talking yet? <laughs> and I was like, wow, we are so out of reality right now. So right. that, but I was, I just remember opening the window and him being so overjoyed, like, 
because they didn't take him outside. Sure. Was... Could that have been the reason, any reason that he had some issues? I think he was born with some issues and lead poisoning isn't, you know, Yeah. I think is, is part of well, what's like, yeah. Yeah, what's really sad too is like you tried and you got to a point where you couldn't do it anymore. And right. like who's going to be strong enough? Well, there was a woman who took 16 hours of therapy with him. And I was like, wow, that is a different kind of woman than me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, that sounds like a job. Where's your accent from? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Is that where you're from? Yes. Originally. Originally. Born and raised. Yeah. I thought we were going to get like a loan officer story or like a stripper story. No, I always found fun. I always create fun. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. So let's go into your career evolution because (laughs) it is, is, it's quite a, evolution of different yeah. careers so yes. let's... i want to hear about the show you do a one woman show too right yes called yeah. fuck your fears live live yes. gotta put live on there gotta put live because i didn't know what i was doing and i booked the theater <laughs> and i was like well fuck it it should be aligned with my business <laughs> wow right. that's yeah. great though that's great aligning stuff like that is so important if you have it's the forethought so yeah okay yeah. so let's start from the beginning you went to college where pace university downtown okay and when you graduated, what was your what did you start? Where did your career start? Well, while I was in college, I looked at the back of the Village Voice, and that's where all the sexy jobs were. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, clearly, I want to go to Pennsylvania. I wanted to go to the Poconos, so I needed some money. <laughs> and I watched MTV growing up, and Tony Catan was my favorite, and I watched a lot of Howard Stern on Channel 9, and sure. I was like, this is what I should do. Um, so I got a job at Runway 69, which was on 49th and 9th. What is, Wait, is that you need to tell club? our audi- audience that isn't from New York. <laughs> yes. Um, so it is a strip club, nude. I did not know any of that. Nude. Nude. Which means that they couldn't serve alcohol. Correct. In New York. Juice you can't bar. do that. Right. Right. Juice and soda. If, in I New never York, knew that. In New York, if you go fully, uh, fully naked, you can't serve alcohol. So that's why most places where they serve alcohol is just topless. Wow. And do those, and no, do those jo- still, no judgments of why I know that. Uh, we, all, we all know why well, you know that. But and, and my question is, do those places still exist? Like they, oh, yeah. people still? Both. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but that one doesn't. Sh- woman, shout right? out to TNAs in Rockland County, Stilettos. Hi, how you guys doing? All right. Nice. Uh, okay. So you started working at a strip club. Waitressing at 19. Oh, you waitress. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. And then at 2.30 in the morning, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I want to be on stage. I love being on stage. Right. Um, but that was the first time I was on stage, and I knew I would love it. And um, How long did you do it for? 11 years. Wow. wow. And you just got on stage never having, like, d- no. practiced. Think about, definitely would not want to touch one of those poles right now. <laughs> Actually, those are probably the cleanest poles. They all come out. They... They wipe the pole down with like I don't know why I know this. Oh, Maybe I watch too many movies. Maybe. Okay, whatever. But they wipe the pole down, right? There's a lot I more than just their hands on the pole. Always do that, and then they started doing that, and I was like, oh, I've always watched things right. very closely. So, yeah, that's that's where the the. So you didn't have dancing there. experience. Or I did went you? to dancing school as a kid. I just watched MTV, and I really believe in another life. I was some kind of temple goddess because I am so comfortable wow. in a sexy money environment, like more comfortable than a bar. I don't go to bars. I don't go to. Right. I don't like. I'm just uncomfortable the in crowds. Aspect of it. The performance, but the sexiness of it is is pretty crucial. Wow. And um, at the time, you were telling me before that you had another job. You were. I was also a preschool teacher. Which is an interesting... We, honestly, I hear that. You have no idea. Half of the cast that we work with, they're like preschool teachers that work with kids and this, that, and the other. Yeah, and I found a lot of similarities that men and children needed a lot of boundaries and had playtime. And women didn't have anywhere to play. You know, men were right. like, okay, I'm going to ask for exactly what I want as appropriate, inappropriate. Kids were like, I want that. But women were like, I'm okay. Thank you. I'm sorry. Right. And that is shitty. So... Yeah. um now I think of it as research, but at the time I was just having a really good time. Right, right. So do, did you? Right at the time you didn't, you weren't really consciously registering the things that you were learning. It was really more of like, oh, you put it together later. Yes. Well, the funny thing is, men who go to those strip clubs want you. They they want to see you perform, but at the end of the night, they go home and the next day. They treat women like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be a sex object. Like, it's like that double, it's that double standard. It's like, for my entertainment, yes, please. But at the end of the day, women should behave a certain way. I don't know. I would go back to the office and ask the other women if they would dance. I don't know. Here's $20. I met all kinds of different men, and it was really interesting. Yeah. Did you ever, any of the, the preschool students' fathers come in? 
Um, a professor from college came in once. <laughs> oh, oh, my. That was terrible. Um, never a father of a preschool child. No. Because that would have been awkward. No, knowing who you are now yeah. and somebody who's a writer and who's, a, you know, has done so, all these things and, like, put all this together, this literature together and all these things, did, did you ever, like, look at your time there as a stripper and say, I should write about this? I should... I there's should tell so stories much. about this. Yes, I'm starting, but I really need support because there's so much. 11 years is really long. I'm like a good Jewish kid. I was like born in this country, first born American. Like From where? Russia? My, um, my parents were born in Eastern Europe right after the Holocaust. Okay. So they're all survivors, and I'm I'm like, there's no one in my family like me. So to take these risks and chances is just so interesting. You should really like blow it up. Like what the sh- what that world is like. I'd love really to. Blow it up. I really would love to. You're like, not like somebody who did it for two years and was like, oh, I, know, I oh, touched no. so, I did it a little. So Ten for the years. 11 years, did oh, you sorry. do both of those jobs or did you stop teaching and do the loan? Or... No, same. Both of those jobs, um, different hours of the day, of course, but but yeah. Wait, so what was your schedule? How did ridiculous. you do both of those? I don't even know because I don't like getting up early. I got up to go to work. I'd be, I guess, 8, 8.30. And then I would drive to work or take a cab or take the train. Back then I took the train. Um, and Where was I, the preschool? Um, Brooklyn. Okay. And then I started working in Connecticut. And so I would drive to Connecticut and I would rope all kinds of friends in to come work with me. But it was always very lovely because I had a therapy mindset. So I'd be talking to men, listening, understanding. It was like a date. Wait, so but how, what were your hours? You started? Oh, oh, 8 to 12 or 4 to 12, 8 hours, 6 hours. No, and then between go back the two the jobs, the, between the two, though, what did your day look? You did the school from what to what and then the... Oh, uh, I guess 8.30 to 3 and then 8 to 12 or 8 to 4. Wow. At night. At night. Okay. And then go to back in the morning, yes. 4 o'clock, go back in the yeah. morning. Wow. Did you ever get, like, so tired that you showed up? Or, Confused. Uh, no, no, no. I was going to say the same thing. No, but, like, really, no, no that's a, I was going to say that, too. But did you ever have, like, you have personas on stage, too. Did you ever do, like, school teacher kind of thing? Because that was, like, connecting for you? Not really. No. No. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so. I've never been to a strip club, so I really don't know mm-hmm, what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So after the 11 years of doing, what changed for you? Why did you change jobs? And did you leave both at the same time? No, I think my knees were hurting. And I was like, meh, done. (laughs) Like, it was just like, it wasn't like a big thing. It was like, that is the best. That's the only time you'll ever hear somebody be like, that's why I left that world. My knees were hurting. Yeah, like it was a lot of work. I was tired. Sure. Um, Did you have boyfriends during that time? And I met a lovely boyfriend at the strip club. We dated for a really long time. Wow. Wow. Interesting. And he was okay with that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so how'd you get from, what was the next, so you're leaving that and like, you know, tell us like the mindset and like what you wanted to do. You were tired. I was tired and I think I just got my master's degree and I was like, um. So you really were putting yourself through college. You know, that no, old No, my adage. parents paid for oh, it. Like okay. I, this, <laughs> she just did it because she wanted to no, be I'm naked. No, you always see. Yeah, I just wanted to No, that's interesting. No, I know, but there's that always that thing you always go, oh, she's there. She said, I'm putting myself through Yeah, college. no, but the truth is I really hated myself growing up a lot. And really? so I found, like, it helped me with my self-loathing. Like, I was mis- I was really, really uh, angry, sad, confused, bitter child. Why? Who, I think my body developed really young at 12 and 13 and no one like introduced anything to me and I was right. just like scared and afraid and really guys were mean and really? boys were really mean and girls too girls I were mean super mean to me and um, called me names and bullied what? me and and then I got on stage and I'm like I think I'm pretty like I I had an inkling of it but I and then I started to really like myself on the outside right. Um, and then after that, I graduated with my master's degree and I started improv acting classes. Yeah. And I was like, a new high and another way to get on stage. Right. Sure. Well, but you're also, you weren't taught how to handle the, the response that people were going to give you Correct. to your body. Correct. Because as you know, it's your fault, not theirs. Not there was like the way totally. you present yourself, that's on you if, if a guy is catcalling you. And totally. when you're a young girl, that's a huge amount of weight to carry. It was so confusing, and I would walk hunched over, and boys in high school would grab my body. Like, it was really yeah, brutal. Yeah, that's the other thing. It was thing. really brutal. They didn't know. I didn't know. And I was just, like, watching Howard Stern. So it was really confusing. Yeah. I oh. remember in eighth grade, I was wearing a bra, which I did not need to wear in eighth grade. Believe me, it was flat as hell. But a guy in my class was grabbing it and snapping it. Yeah, and the that. gym teacher, Mr. Bucci, who I love to this day, 
like went off on him and like pulled him aside and like wow. like and it was the first time I really felt like I was being protected because my parents mm-hmm. were you know it yeah, was like a same. whole thing but anyway I, I never forgot that moment I will never forget that moment in fact like I when I see him I still thank him mm. for that moment yeah, because it it really was because you, you didn't know mm. you were never really taught that right. that was wrong right. Do you think any of your any of that sadness was having parents that were from the Holocaust time? Because a lot of people say that there's that like syndrome of like don't complain, everything mm-hmm. you're, you should be happy to be here from parents. Maybe who came I started from that therapy time. this morning. I do I do believe like in our DNA, you know, it's inherently passed on as, mm-hmm. as well as practical. Like I had a lovely, amazing childhood, mm-hmm. um, but you know, my parents were born in a displaced persons camp. Sure. Like there's some energy there, oh and they came here when they were two. Mm-hmm. But there's there's some energy of like. I know that a lot of my family was killed, actually. Right. So terrible. Yeah, but I also I had a um, I didn't like my nose. Like I re- would wear big hair. I was just I wanted to be cool. I had a lot of self esteem. I issues. wore big sure. hair. Hey, we all did it. But the pictures <laughs> yeah. you see, I was just really hiding. Like I just wouldn't sit near anybody. Like I was really. So then, wow. getting on stage really helped you come out of that. Yeah. So this was kind of like the birth of the celebration. like celebration, celebration, yes. getting out of this like how to fight your own fears and find avenues out of them. Yes, and literally, I just followed my footsteps. There was this. I'm born with a certain trust in myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know why or where it comes from, but to be looking in the village voice at 19, like that's something. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. The wow. confidence to know and know that you're probably going to take something that you see. Yeah, like and I'm going to be looking. okay. I can walk into this place, meet this guy, Tommy, Vinny, and they're going to be like, this is fine. And I'm going to be like, great. Well, and also that you had the confidence to get on stage and get naked. And it wasn't like a have to. It wasn't like you were desperate. You oh, were no. just like, I'm going to do this because that's what I want to do. Yeah. Any drugs, alcohol at the time? No. Nothing. Amazing. I didn't go out afterwards. I'd go home, get ready for school the next day. I love it. Wow. <laughs> All right. So what? Okay. So what that, ended that, that? That's the seed. Yeah. That's right. The seed. So so get us to there from there to. So I started improv acting. Right. I found that the mirroring exercise was extremely powerful to do with autistic children, hmm. and I realized they're cool. They see shit, and they're very truthful. They won't look at you if they're not interested. And I'm like, great. So I started this journey of the brain and really watching behaviorally what happens when there's no social niceties. Okay. Okay. So autistic children that I was working with were, like, fascinated with the lights and the wires. And I was, like, able, for some reason, this one mentor said to me, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just in this house. I'm playful. Preschool kids like me. These kids are like, fuck off. Right. And I, she said, well, you're observing them, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So then I would continue to observe them. And they would be, this one kid was looking in a doorknob and he was moving his face backwards and forwards. And I'm like, the mother's like, he's obsessed with doors. I'm like, no, he's seeing his face get bigger and smaller, like the clown mirrors. Right. right. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. So these kids are cool, right. and they're from another planet. And I tuned into my own sensitivities with watching their sensitivities, and this whole world started to develop around me of what I see is real, and the unjust and the unfairness of how families operate, how people operate, how the right. school system is, is so jacked. I can't be a part of these systems anymore. Right. Yeah, and you know, you're not the first person who is an educator or the works with kids who has said that to me. Yeah. That they are just. My cousin worked in the school system and helped um, special needs children, and I. It just people get burnt out, and it, it's all the politics, you, and it's it's all. It's terrible. But did you feel like? In a way, any like, oh man, I wish I could be here, but like, I, I like, did you feel any abandonment issue of them? No, they they worked with me. They taught me about energy and life, and and how it's important to be genuine, or they're not going to pay attention. So I'd bring in toys to teach them colors. They were like, whatever. Right. I took out my lavender and I sprayed it, and a nonverbal kid said to me. Psh, psh, like, he wanted the lavender. He made a request wow. with that sound. I'm like, fucking A, this is great. Right, right. And then Connecting dots for them. Connecting dots. And they were showing me, like, your senses matter. Your environment matters. Mm-hmm. Everything matters. Not, like, the letters, the numbers. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I may have, just to interject, I yeah, may have please. told this story before, but I used to work with high-functioning uh, autistic kids, Asperger's, oh, I used to call yeah, it, at a camp great. experience with them. Yeah. It's like total, like, one of these movies. Like, I, they asked me to do it. I didn't want to do it. I, I, I was like, I needed a job. I showed up. I worked with these kids 40 
40 kids like one summer I did it for four years wow. they were like the the, the fact you're calling it the coolest kids I say it to this day they didn't talk about baseball they didn't care about any of that bullshit they were like let's look at this bug and look at every single leg and hair yeah. on this thing and the one moment that was amazing with him with these kids one kid he had like a little bit more needs than the others and one time we went on an overnight and he said can I be the last kid to go to sleep and I was like sure you know whatever and that night we kept our promise and all the other kids went to bed and we let him hang out with the counselors by the fire right mm. and he didn't say a word this is one of the most talkative kids he didn't say he just wanted to sit there and have nobody like be just moving him or doing putting telling him what to do or anything yeah. he just wanted to chill and in his own time he got up and he was like i'm good good night and he just went to bed it was the coolest thing I've ever seen yeah. anyone ever Yeah, I got chills. Do. Totally believe it. Like, I, I did a talk once about how BDSM and children with autism have a lot in common. Yeah. Because no, the society doesn't know what to do with, with it. And it's, but if you take the time, it's two communities that really have consent. They know what to ask for. They know what's good for them. They're right. not just like spewing and, you know, being unconscious. We're the weird ones. The weird ones are the coolest. Right. So, um, so were you doing just that or were you doing anything I else at the time? I was doing just that. Okay. And for how long did you do that? Um, I had like full caseloads, like 16 hours a week, four or five kids. I would see the kids one-on-one -on -one either in their home or in school. Okay. Mostly at home. All right. When, so when were you alone, officer? Yeah. When, when I'm like, happen? when are we getting know, to this? That sucked. That was just really like I, I could get dressed up. So I liked it. Um, when I probably was still in college and maybe like at the same time I was stripping and I thought like I'll segue into another money job but that was terrible it's terrible okay is money a motivating factor for you cash is my kink I really like I like is your kink thing. yeah that's interesting cash too just cash yeah well that's a little <laughs> dirty a these days you're better to use your credit card I mean, like, stripping you get the cash right away you There's get no it you're like da -na 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 -na. you know it's like okay. it was really fun and it's a it took me a long time to say that out loud. So Okay, you... so did you go from the kids to what you're doing now? So I went from the kids. I was working at homes, and then I saw moms were not handling things. And I was like, these kids are perfect. They're aliens. Nobody understands them. But I see how they're great. I need to show moms how they can work with their kids. Otherwise, I'm a glorious, amazing babysitter. Right. So I took a course called Yoga for the Special Child, which confirmed everything I already knew, which was like, these kids are special. There's energy. Don't call them autistic kids. Call them children with autism. I'm not stripper Shane. I'm Shane. You know, Who just strips? really honor. Yeah. Honor the person. Honor the person. And right. then I was like, I'm a parent coach. And I was using all my theater training, which you probably both know. Sure. Um, which was how to be centered, grounded, present, and teaching parents how to basically be intimate at home because children were reacting to their parents' intimacy. Mm. If I could be really as distilled and take out. Like if mom, mom and dad were not communicating or being loving on any level, the kid was like, well, I'm going to show you what that looks like. Right. And so I became a parent coach, and then I was like, you know what? I need to only work with mom. Right. If she's not on board, this whole thing's going to be a mess. So I was working with mothers. That makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And I, this is how it just kept going. I just kept following my fears. Meanwhile, I was doing improv acting. I'd stopped all other social activities, just improv. Wow. I dropped friends, anything. What schools did you go to? Um, it's called the Open Door Acting Company, and okay. it was based on saying no. Not yes. Really? So I learned heavy, deep drama. I learned how to be with my grief, anger, rage. And yet it was improv. So it was being real in imaginary circumstances. Right. And it was allowed to go super deep and dark. But it wasn't mine because it was improv. So my ego was like. Separate. Separate. I wasn't afraid to like go I think there. everybody should take improv classes. I think everyone At least take. 101. Basic. basic. Wow. Okay, so then you shifted from kids to moms. To moms. And then I was like, oh, I think it's all women. And at the time, I was, around that time, I had graduated from Mama Gina's Womanly School of Arts. She's the author of the book Pussy, who, which was on the New York Times bestseller list. Wow. And all of a sudden, 400 women were like, stripping is cool. It's amazing. And I'm like, what? I yeah. Wait, what year is this? I graduated in 2016. Okay. The first time. So okay. I was like... Wait, what? I can be whole? You know, right. like I could be smart. I could be cool. I could be sexy in one. And I literally dropped parent coaching and I'm like, 
da, 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 da. That's it, when the enchant Enchantress yes. was born? and I love Stevie Nicks, and she has the album Enchanted, and my first business was You're a Beautiful Child, which is another Stevie Nicks song, and she did things her way, so I really so love her. So big Stevie Nicks influence. Big Stevie Nicks influence. So the, and the parents were appreciating appreciating this? Did, they, did that Great grow? Great question. So they were until I was like, <laughs> how's your intimacy? And they were like, oh, no, wait, what? You're here to fix our kid. And I'm uh, like, well, that's limited, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I they just, weren't buying into the. They were coaching? until it became really real, and then like I would be, I worked with this family and this seven-year-old daughter who just. So the autistic, the children with autism were done. Then mm -hmm. I started getting a lot of angry children. Mm. Um, angry, for, angry autistic children, or no, angry, no, just angry, angry behavior, children. opposite defiant. They would look at me like they're forty oh, and be like, "I don't like you." Wow. And I was like, that's a little reflection of me. So this one little girl was seven, and she said to her mom, why did you marry him about her dad? Wow. What? Yeah. Well, that's, that's her just original that's dad. That's all of what she's taken in at she's home. She's taken it in, and those parents did not want to work with their intimacy. And I was like, you know what? I'm frustrated. You're paying me a lot of money. You're not letting me do my full job. Well, but job. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. A, a woman alone, I'm sure she's like, yes, yes, yes. But when she know yes. men are usually, they don't love therapy. They hear ther therapy of any kind and they get like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So it's probably like, and also if their marriage wasn't good, she the, she was like, yeah, the, the, this is going to go downhill fast. It was very fast. confronting. So, and, and I was like, you know what? They're frustrated. I'm frustrated. I got to get out of this. Yeah. And then Enchanted Embodiment was born. So, you know, there's this weird theme that seems to happen with some of our guests where they go on these journeys, these ups and downs. Like, you're making money doing this parenting thing. And then you just, mm. this, like, ability to just say, I'm going to make money some other way. This belief in yourself, maybe that 19-year-old again coming out, which I, I don't, sometimes I have that. I don't always have that. Sometimes I just believe I know I'll figure this out. Mm -hmm. But like, that is a special quality, I think, mm -hmm. in being an entrepreneur. But you've called it out too before that yeah. I think they also see opportunity right. and they take it. Like you're, you yeah. don't just sit in the same job. You don't, you're not complacent. You right. are seeing well, this this is another hole that needs to be like addressed, and I can do that, totally. and so I'm going to take that opportunity and make it mine. So and so with Enchantress, tell us about what that encompasses because it is a name that encompasses a lot. Yes, so. and I love what you both just said because our biggest resource is our resourcefulness. And as a little kid, I was typing resumes at nine years old, like finding opportunities is a mindset and I believe it can be cultivated with a track record. You take one little step and then you're like, wait a minute, that worked. What else is possible? And there's other pieces. So like including hanging out with people that also are like, what else is possible? And not hanging out with a bunch of people who are worried and freaking out right. and trying to live the American dream. Which is like, you know, get married, have a kid, don't do anything creative, be a good girl mm -hmm. on some level. And I love that you started your career with two sides of the coin by day. This yeah. is uh, like a nice uh, uh, preschool teacher and at night <laughs> she gets naked. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, you were living like two lives. Two lives, but yet there were so many common threads of play. Right. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so enchantressing. I have a friend in Rockaway who says, how's your enchantressing going? And I'm like, I like that question. Cause, yeah. You know, how else do you ask if you don't really know? So now I help on other entrepreneurs and leaders shine. Mostly sensitive, awkward people who are like can doubt themselves because their message is so big and so bold mm -hmm. that it's scary even to say the word pussy is like, oh, my God, what's going on? Right. How do you how do you do that? How do you support these people? You know, because in a way you're coming to them as an expert of yes. a you. I know you better than you know yourself, even though yes. you know this thing, yes. this job, this professional thing better than anyone else knows. So how do you get them to buy into you? It's the special muscle I have, which is making everything fucking fun. Okay. On mm -hmm. a very deep level, like profound. Like, like this one woman, I've been working with her for a very long time. The other day, I teach the course called Fuck Your Fears. She says to me... She started talking like Beavis and Butthead. And I was like, you've like, never <laughs> done that before. Right. She's like, I don't, well, it's stupid. I'm like, you know how many goth chicks who are in right. their 30s who love Beavis and Butthead that are your ideal clients that you think that's stupid? Right. And I pulled out that golden thread. And then she took out this jacket that she had with these pins all over it. <laughs> I was like, you're so 
such a dork. Like, let's use that. Right. Right. Be yourself. Be yourself. Because people can see right when you're not, and then you're miserable not being yourself. And, and that just is what creates toxic environments. Totally. And be yourself is like the funnest thing to say because people are like, it's so buried. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, not that self. Right, right. And this woman's having an event this Sunday called Let's Play. And it's all about Let's Play. And, and it's so easy to not be oneself. It's so easy to go into the default of producing and worrying and pushing and trying to be professional. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's embedded in our psyches. Well, yeah. And a, a woman I work with just went to a clown a weekend. Oh, that's great. Like clown performing. Mm-hmm. And she came out of it and was like, it was the most amazing thing I've right. ever done. Yes. Because you you have to put everything aside and you just need to like right. have fun. But the real effect a- of that will be where she is in, in five years. Is she gonna is that gonna be a fun weekend, a fun show she right. saw and then go back to being herself or is it gonna transform her? Well I mean she's pretty much of uh, I mean no, I'm she's, just, we yeah, won't yeah, know. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah, right now. But like that's that I think is your point. It's like how to not just like see the change but actually live the change. And keep taking action and that's why the courses I teach are four months. Like it's so easy to wake up and have 40 things about like why you should why you're wrong why you're fucked up why you're, right. you're like actually oh were you at my apartment last night awesome right like everybody and especially you know I work with men and women but in the fuck your fears course it's just women and it's so easy like I performed this Friday and I was like what if I'm actually a fucking idiot and everyone's just like, look at Shane. She really thinks she's doing something cool. <laughs> Wait, so tell it when you perform, what does that, I mean, is this scripted? Is this you just get up there and do your thing and where are you doing this? So whenever I'm summoned, I say yes. Um, this was part of a variety show at a place called Wits, which is amazing food in Rockaway. There were a couple of amazing drag queens. The ginger lad was leading. Right. Um, a comedian. I was burlesque and... Um, yeah. So this is your dancing you're doing again. Yeah, I'll oh, do it okay. whenever. Okay. I love it. You know, I worked in a fetish party for a little while. Like if it if it because you could be barefoot or wear slippers because people like feet. As long oh as I don't God, have to wear hilarious. heels, I'm happy. So the the wow. fuck your fears show is it? Oh. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So the fuck your fears show was something that I have a friend, dear friend Anita, was like, "When are you doing your show? When are you doing your show?" I was right. like, "I'd never. I only seen Whoopi Goldberg. I've never seen a one woman show." But I was like, "Well, I should book a date." I just did it. So right. I booked a date. I sold tickets. The theater off Broadway, Producers Club, wasn't even available yeah, yet. Producers Club. I booked it. Um, I performed there a lot. Yeah. And then I was months. I wasn't doing shit about it. I figured, like, I'll just get up there and talk shit, tell stories, do some comedy. I don't know. I'll be myself. Right. And then I have a friend who called me for some support. She's a director. And she's like, I'll direct you. I'm like, all right. Wow. So I trust immensely that shit's going to work out. Not because I'm, a, you know, just lucky, but because I've taken a lot of risks. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that builds a track record. And now I have this trust muscle that I booked a theater, sold the fuck out. There was a wait list. It was a work in progress. I had my script all over the stage. It was five characters. They were all working with personal imprisonment. Some of it was sad. I worked with kids in prison for a while. I taught them improv. You did. So they were a part of it. You know, me. I was them. I was Okay. The, um, and I did a thing. And how long did you do this? Five weeks? One night only. Did, oh, one night only. Did yeah. each character have a, like a, were you, what was, you know, like, did it have a lesson? Were you teaching about how they got over, did each one of them get over a fear? Were you, what, I'm interested, that's super Somewhat. interesting Somewhat, me. yeah. I mean, it. I'd like to keep working on it. I, I, I hope I keep working on it. Um, basically, they each had some way that they were imprisoning themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and... All of them pretty much got through it except the grandmother, which is really hard for me to touch. So, like, I wasn't even emotionally available for that on stage. Right. Wait, what do you mean? That- like, I felt so disconnected, and I had so much sadness attached to that grandmother, who's a combination of my mom and my grandmother. But on stage, being witnessed by the audience, I just was like, uh, uh, like, I did the thing, but it wasn't, my body wasn't. Interesting. Yeah. And that does that connect to the business, the teaching, the enchantress, like that play that do those lessons? Mostly, come out? yes. Mostly, I related to the fifteen-year-old that I played, who's like, "Leave me alone! Shit's not fair!" Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what most kids these days are learning in school. Unfortunately, is like, "Life's not fair. Figure out a way to get over it." Okay, so but 
I, I'm trying to connect. So okay. the, yes, the, the uh, yeah, how does that show connect back to the class that you teach? Great. So in order for me to keep teaching that class and be in full integrity, I have to keep fucking some fears. Okay. And so doing a one woman show, which I'm not you have a memorized getting script. over your own fears. Yeah. So I keep creating new dynamics where I'm like doing something that is really nerve wracking to me. Okay. And now you have. Um, sessions that you do with clients, but then there you have classes too, right? Yes. Thank you for saying that. So I teach two classes right now, straight up stripping, and that's for women only. And I te- teach advance- adventures in enchanted intimacy, which is beginners dom subclasses wow. that teaches power dynamics. So no touching, just in case anybody wants to show up. couples or in, any Couples or singles. And it's really learning how to be intimate, um, using power dynamics Learning consent, learning boundaries, um, with a thread of sexuality involved. And oh. people are dressed. People are totally clothed. Even for the stripping one, too? For the stripping one, it's optional, and it's all women. Okay. So Orthodox women can show up. Do they show up? S- no, not in this class yet. <laughs> I always thought we were going to get a little interesting tidbit there. And she's like, she took off her socks, guys. <laughs> well, it's always it's like a place in my heart because I'm Jewish, and I'm, right. I see a lot of Jewish women of different sects of Judaism just really suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all women, but it's really, you know. Yeah. Right. No. Something there. Definitely. No, and that's why I feel like the classes that you're teaching, like, now more than ever, are so relevant. They're so relevant. So relevant. And also, like, if you can push your edge and come to a DS class, when you're back to your business, you're like, hey, if I did that, what else can I do? But that's what I'm saying is, like, do you the things that they're learning, yes. are they, like, you know, I kind of look at some of this stuff like a superhero sometimes. Like, yes. when I... I'm just going to say, when I go and do the show that I do, yes. right, I, I and I am on stage and I'm in the character that I am doing right now, I feel like untouchable. I feel invincible. Mm-hmm. I can do and say whatever I want. I get a laugh at everything. And then I get dressed and I walk out of the theater and I go on the subway. And you're Josh. And, no, and I'm Josh. Nobody knows who I am. If I, I look at people and I go, if I just if I say to you the same thing I just said to this people in the theater 10 minutes ago, you'd punch me in the face and have me arrested. You know, mm-hmm. it's this like double life. So what I'm getting at is whatever you teach people in these classes, whatever they get out of it, are you teaching them are they learning how to use this new superpower in their regular lives, in their professional jobs, yes. and how to sh- turn it on and turn it off? Or is it just this kind of side thing for fun, come play with me? And- I love it. It's neither. It's integration. So when I walk in a room, there's a certain energy I have, which is like, you, nobody can fuck with me. Yeah, and it's very that, confidence. Yeah, it's very, very confidence-based. I, I felt it, too. Yeah, Absolutely. and it's a it's a self-worth. So when I was stripping, I liked my outsides, and then the improv really worked that muscle of, like, hey, my anger is kind of beautiful. My sadness is okay. Like, all the parts of me that, you know, when I started acting, I was like, I'm not, you know, Brooklyn, that's weird. And the first time we did a fuck you exercise, people were riveted, and I was like ashamed and like I'm like oh I sound like a dumb Brooklyn person I want to be New York City cool and people were like that's a pretty special fuck you and I learned to like all the parts of me like the parts that I thought were just like uneducated or stupid or not cool right see it's interesting because your career journey is also a healing journey yeah because we when we started out your story you were an insecure teenager who wanted to hide and disliked herself and through stripping and theater like it's I just think it's really interesting how you took these opportunities and kept building on them you know and we talked about that before people often just like I'm going to college I'm going to get a job and then I'm like you know you just kept building yourself and your life and like yeah. taking opportunities that I wouldn't have ever stripped. <laughs> I don't I know I don't have the courage to do that. But God bless. Do you do you feel like it seems like it's therapy from a different angle. It's not like sitting it's in a chair talking. And thank you for listening. I feel like you guys are great at asking questions and listening, which is such a great I heard you say that yes. earlier. It's such an important skill that we even know we're important enough to ask questions. 
Yeah. Or I remember when I worked with kids in special needs, I there was a, a paper, a paperwork called an IEP. Yeah, IEPs. And um, it's like all the details, goals, Individual blah, blah, blah. education. Yes. Uh, what is it? Plan. Plan. Right. And I wish on that form it would say, teach the child how to say, I don't know. It's such a powerful thing to be able to say out loud, like, I don't know, and raise your hand. Mm-hmm. And so to listen and to ask questions, like there's so many skills that are not being taught in schools. Right. And so a lot of times when I'm working with people, it's like I'm working with their inner child. They don't feel their importance. Mm -hmm. And so part of being an enchantress is like having other people know that they're also enchanted and awkward. And it's awkward to grow. It's awkward to try something new. I Um, think that's a super cool like marketing technique too to say what I'm doing is teaching you how to be your inner child or how to tap into your inner child again because – you know, deep down, that's who we all are. We've grown into these other personas. But also to make your confidence real. Right. Because yes. there are plenty of people who you think are confident right. who are not totally. at all confident. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Agree. And, and the thing is, when you're working with power dynamics in one of my classes, you get this, you know, you're, you're responsible for someone else's system, basically, in right. that moment. And you're like, okay, I did a thing. I can hold that. I can hold a human being in their vulnerability. And basically when you're starting a business and you're working with clients, they're vulnerable and you're vulnerable because you're taking money for something that there's no like, there's no boss that says you did a good job. You're just an entrepreneur. You hope you did a good job, but you could, you're really responsible. The response too is if they come back. Right. If they come back, if they want their money back, if if they they tell their friends, how do you get your clients? So like this, um, just by word of mouth, I do a lot of online, I have a lot of online business. Um, So I have groups online. One is called the Awkward Enchanted Coven. It's for magical witches, women. Um, And then I have another Facebook group for men and women called Relational Embodied Intimacy. And I do challenges. I'm on videos all over the place. And so my you clients do it through are, Skype, you mean, um, or is Zoom, it personal? But yeah, I mostly work with people in Zoom. Some I have in-person clients. Do you go to their houses? Like, um, I rent space. In space? Yeah. All is it only in Rockaway or is it Manhattan? No, all over the city. Yeah. Really? Oh, wow. And you, and you're, you're, you're the enchantress aspect of it, right? So you said men. So there's, yes. there's some men you work, but is this more of like a female-focused, uh, you know, venture? Well, so again, I followed my feet. I was only working with women. And then I realized when I was teaching women empowerment, they're, you know, we forget our empowerment as women so quick. One mm-hmm. thing can happen and it's like, oh, right, I'm just a fat mess. Mm-hmm. So when I was teaching something called burlesque, yeah, I felt a little off a line because I wasn't a burlesque dancer. dancer. But it was a, an easier way, softer. And then I was like, fuck this. I'm a straight up stripper. That's the name <laughs> of the class. And then I realized if I'm just teaching women empowerment and they're not getting to use it with men, right. I'm very gender normative with that. Um, so then when I teach enchanted adventures and intimacy, I feel totally complete that they have practiced their intimacy. They've practiced their empowerment. They have an experience with a man where they said like whatever they said and the man did. And then it's complete. They get to embody that experience and they don't have to go use their empowerment for practice after the class. Right. Well, and there is something to um, teaching these women to, to behave, like to change their behavior and feel more confident. Yes. But if the other side doesn't understand and yes. like that, it, it, you don't know how right. it's There's all going to work out. Thing right. Too, and it could be a disservice. So like she told be. me this would work and it didn't yeah. work. Right. Yeah. But it also has to be with that. Like, look, you may, people may now not accept this new version of you and you have to be okay with that. Right. Right. So you have to, so part of it also is learning to make that other people are going to be uncomfortable. Have you seen that video that um, recently came out with Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon, where it showed all the marketing that talks to women and it's like, you're too fat, you're too thin. You need, you need to wax. You need to, you dress too skimpy. You didn't dress like feminine enough. Have you seen this? I've not watched it, but I will. But I've seen her sitting. It's like gray. Okay. Yeah, 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 you yeah. should watch it. I will because it is like when it's all put together in one message, you're just like fuck. It is so like we like what we just hear. And I felt guilty because I'm I've worked in marketing mm. in my career, and I've been part of mm-hmm. the narrative. And like I was like, this is. And the thing is, women produce a lot of that. We, we yes. put that on each other. Yeah. It's not all driven by men. No. It's also women, right. too. And it's just like, 
growing up, these young girls, like that's what's spinning and what they're hearing and what they're telling each other. And it's, it's just so twisted. It is so twisted. That's why they hate themselves. Like to your point. I mean, there's 16 year olds that are looking to get their labia fixed. Oh my like, Wait, what? Because it's uneven. Their vulva, their pussy, like it's ugly. They say it's ugly. But we've never even listen. When you go to a playground, I'm impressed they're looking at it because I didn't do that until I, I was like older. Either. <laughs> well, just and and um, Regina Thomas Shower, Mama Regina talks about. She said like there's no name for vulva. You know, penis is penis, and uh-huh. then little girls have all kinds of names like pocketbook and Christmas trees and all kinds of crazy stuff. Front butt, like weird stuff. What? Yeah, we just call it flower, flower, <laughs> yeah. your petunia, your all these no. things. No, it's vagina. Well, in, in most homes, and the truth is, the real name is vulva. Vagina is just one part. But anyway, so oh, as really? a young girl, we're not taught, like, if you get hurt in the playground, you're going to go to your teacher and say, like, my petunia. It's just not a part of society. Right. So girls at a very young age are taught, like, your body's yours, except don't touch it. Yeah. Don't look at and it. And be ashamed of, like, yes. calling it by its real name. Right. So, yeah. No, I, I agree. I wow. Agree 100%. I mean, look, I have a daughter. We're, we're trying to be not use that language and just try to like you know be very accepting and open of things like that but yeah it's easy to my what i was thinking this whole time is it was easy to fall into these these stereotypes and these these categories of talking about things you know and things i feel like are changing a little i actually have a friend who wrote a sketch or she wrote a sketch and i took it and i said let me see if i could just you know like you know uh, pep it up a little bit and then she made an interesting point she's like you know we don't have to do these typical male female Mm. uh you know roles in the it's funny but it doesn't have to be the guy says this and the girl reacts this way and i was like oh my god that was that's that's simple like She's much younger than me. I was like, that was genius. So we flipped it. Mm. And it was 10 times funnier by making it the girl doing this and the guy doing this, you know? And it just was like a good example of like how we did not, nobody has to fit into any of these categories. No, social it's norms perfect. are not norms. No, and it's perfect that you share that. I mean, the millennials this day, like there's so much more willing to question things, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. But right. I think as as entrepreneurs and as theater people, media people, like we have the first row seat of like, let's change shit up. Um, right. And that's why I love supporting leaders because I'm supporting them and they're reaching masses and I'm teaching them, you, you have to be strong in order to go against the grain. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's so easy to climb back in the do hole. You, do you work with CEOs or like I heads haven't of businesses? I have but mostly kind? entrepreneurs, heads of small businesses. Men too? Um, so no. far, no. No, mostly women. So the, Women the, in business, men in their So it's really the businesses being enchantress is trying to help women find their inner enchantress who we say some, also we talked about before as a DC, you know, kind of witch yes. character yes. who was like bad but also had a good side to her. Like, so she, finding this inner, like, you know, uh, this, you know, beautiful witch in a way yes. who can bring these powers out of themselves, unlock, you know, Right. I mean, yes, am I on the right path? Totally. Here? Like, absolutely. And, and that's kind of what you're. And if it's through stripping or through intimacy classes or things like that, then fine. Right. To live on the edge, like to keep pushing where it's uncomfortable. Like, isn't it interesting as humans when we say like, no, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. That's OK, but that's not right. right. Like this is the I mean, I don't know how lewd I could be. Is yeah, that, you totally can be lewd. I could be lewd. So like I remember I met this Orthodox man. He was religious, let's say. He's like, my wife won't have my girlfriend won't have sex in her pussy, but I can fuck her ass. What? Right. Oh, I, unless they're married. Right, I've actually married. heard that a unless lot. Right, yeah. right. So there's like something that's really interesting about where we decide things are okay and not right. okay. And so I think it's really interesting to stay curious and witness like, oh, I could be this but not this. You know, I right. can't put a blindfold on, but I could suck somebody's dick in the bathroom at a bar. Like, right. What is that about? So, like, let's do a class about it instead of figuring it out. Like, I love to tell teens if I ever get in front of them, like, if you can't talk about what you're going to do, don't do it. Right. It's yeah. not something you should. Right. Absolutely. But yeah. if your church is against it, you might still be able to do it. Right. Like, there's, right. There's so <laughs> much. I mean, if we want to go deep, it's like there's so much about, like, religion and state that are like, this is okay, but this is not okay. This is not okay, but I'm going to go put on my panties what? and a dildo in my ass. So, like, right. <laughs> figuring out. Well, the people that are up there on the pulpit making the, right. putting out, like, this is wrong are in the, you know, in the back room dialing up like grinder give me with with that i mean unless you want to talk more about it because i find this super interesting but you know give me an example or give us an example of like how you help someone unlock a fear like specifically like how does how does doing this in your explanation um 
you know, literally let someone go of some fear that they have. Great. Whatever kind of Yeah, fear. so sometimes people don't really know their fears, but the quickest way possible is someone's like, listen, I can't have a boss, I can't follow directions, I'm getting fired, I have this idea, blah, 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 and I'm like, great. So when they just start rambling, everyone calls it rambling, I right. start to pick out things, I'm like, this is how your business can come together. Okay. And then they get that idea, and they're like, really? They don't believe it, maybe for the first couple of weeks or month, and then all of a sudden, like, we just keep cultivating a storyline, like you guys are doing, of how it makes sense they got to the point that they're at and how they can help other people in their genius so you're not like necessarily a business entrepreneur coach you're just somebody helping somebody see what's in front of them like see what's in front of them and they're I telling me to... you want to do this yes. here's how you can do this yes or they might like i help them put the pieces together right. or they've quit a corporate job and they're like i really you're doing something great how do i be like you and i'm like great and you're also neutral you're not somebody in their life that's like you can't take that risk I you're just, just like I, you're coming from a, a space of this isn't going to impact me i'm going to be totally honest with I, you somebody can bring me a three-legged pig and i'll find the gold in it i I make I see what works about everybody. Love it. Wow, I love it. Good. Now you're gonna you're gonna help me finish my one man show. Yeah. Okay. Well, we gotta get. Speaking of which, moving. the name of our game, which is named oh, after yes. your one woman <laughs> show. <laughs> Look at that natural segue. It's called. This game is called Fuck Your Fears. Nice. Okay. All right, we're just gonna jump around and ask questions. I leaned into phobias because of the coronavirus. So and we I also <laughs> tend to do movie references. So if you don't know movie shit, just fucking. Okay. Say. So you go first, Josh. How about this? Uh, okay. When most people think about strippers. They think of women first. Name three movies where the plot was focused on male strippers. Ooh, I just I think of that Chippendales with Patrick Swayze and the what's that? I don't oh, know. Oh, that movie. was a sketch. I'll give that you that sketch, sketch on SNL. Yeah, with, with Chris, Chris Farley. Farley. What else? Man stripper. Come uh, on, Mike. Magic, yeah, Magic Mike. Mike. Magic Mike. One of these is like super obscure. You won't get it. The other one was in like London, or was it was actually it ended up movie. being a movie too. One was a, a, a movie, but also I'm sorry, it was a also play. a Broadway play. The Ooh, full, a full man stripper. Monty. The full Monty. Oh hear that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie stars Jeff Daniels and John Goodman as they fight an infestation of spiders that have overtaken their town. The name of the movie is also The Phobia. Is it Arachnophobia? There you yes. go. Okay. Uh, what about one of mine over here? Okay, this modern remake of Cape Fear stars what famous actor whose angry face inv invoked fear just by looking at him? Uh, uh, Josh oh, did a commercial Jack, with him. Not Jack Nicholson. What's his name? The, the guy, Niro, Tribeca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're at a Tribeca okay. Film Festival. Okay. Alfred Hitchcock's groundbreaking horror thriller, Birds, follows a cast that includes Tippi Hedren just as a series of sudden, unexplained, and increasingly violent bird attacks ensue. What is a fear of birds called? Ooh. Ooh. I didn't even know this one. I don't know. Ornithopia. Ornithophobia. Ornithophobia? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, you ready? This is the SI unit of electrical resistance, expressing the resistance in a circuit transmitting a current of one amper when subjected to a potential difference of one volt, and also what people chant when they are meditating. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dentophobia, the fear of the dentist or getting dental work done is brought to the anguishing and agonizing four in John Schlesing Schlesinger's devilish action thriller from 1976 starring Dustin Hoffman. <sighs> Two words. Marathon man. Okay. Last one. I actually did not realize this, but uh, so the word fear, right, is an acronym or I thought it was only one, like, you know, like, yeah. like you know, uh, whatever, like false evidence appearing real. Yes. Right. But I actually printed out a whole list yes. here. Pick one that you like. What is a, um, a great I like, I know. Already. Oh, you have it's one fuck already? Fuck everything and run. Fuck everything oh, and run. I love, I love that. That's a great way Which to go Which goes right into our, into our name game. That's so awesome. Shane, Thank thanks you so much. So much. Now tell us social handles. And so if you Google Enchantress Shane, you'll just like Google it, bitch. Everything's there. Shane, S-H-A-N-E. S-H-A-N-E. So there's three S's in between. But I'm on SoundCloud and YouTube and Instagram. What's and the Facebook. website again? Enchanted Embodiment. Enchanted Embodiment and your Instagram, which is so super interesting too. Oh, cool. It's Enchantress Shane. Enchantress yes. Shane. Because my Shane is S-H-A-Y-N-E. Oh, yes. That's interesting. And you're an N -E. It means pretty in Yiddish. Yes, Shana. And that's ironic because you didn't feel pretty. That is so... But you are very pretty. You are. And you actually remind me of the actress from the show on Showtime 
and I cannot uh, think of what it is. Uh, Julia Roberts. Uh, no, it's the one where the guy was having the affair. <laughs> That's what it was called. I'll have to pull her up. I can't think of the name of the actress. But really anyway. awesome. Thanks for coming and, yes, and sharing some of your. Just you have really great energy, and you know it's really special that you you followed your own you know fearlessness in a way to do all these different things and help people get over their fears. So and you made me congrats. forget about the coronavirus Amazing. for the last Thanks. hour. See, Thank I'm you. sneaky like that. There you go. And yeah. I have to say, like my that. biggest fear is getting on the stand-up stage here. So oh, I'm glad you should to try it. I'll space. hook you up. I'll so Shane, what was your favorite song to strip to when you? Oh right. Yes, oh my God, one. so many. Well, I met ZZ Top and no. I love ZZ Top. And I said to them, gentlemen, I want you to know I made a lot of money dancing to your songs which, on stage. Which song? You got to give us one um, to go out on. Oh, uh, let's pick Sharp Dressed Man. Okay. Sharp Dressed right Man, now. that's where we're going to go out on. Yeah, cue it. There All it right. is. All right. Thank you so much. Love it. Thanks, Shane. But, oh, wait, no, no. We didn't tell our socials. Job blow, jobs Blow. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag Jobs Blow Podcast. At Jobs Blow Podcast. Jobs Blow Podcast. Dot com. This is Brianna Haas. I'm Mr. Josh Hyman. You know that shit. Follow us, like, share, review, especially check this out if you need some help with uh, with some getting over your fears. Check out Shane. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Wash your hands. Bye. Wash your ass. <laughs> oh.